morning, everyone, or good evening, good whatever. If you're uh, listening to Put Yourself to Sleep, that's already too. A little bedtime. Sure. Bed- bedtime podcast. Let's go. This is the Bodybuilding.com podcast. I'm Nick Coleus. I'm the host up in here. And over to my right, we have Heather Eastman. Uh, she's our physique expert. Physique spurt? No. No, that is not. No. <laughs> <laughs> our guest today. Uh, he's a familiar face, familiar set of shoulders, maybe, if you're someone who reads articles on bodybuilding.com or one of the three and a half million or so people who subscribe to our YouTube channel. He's Rob Everyday Beast Smith, and he's a WBFF pro fitness model, a pro muscle model, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's been the model for a lot of articles on bodybuilding.com videos, including our Foundations of Fitness Nutrition video series, which is really cool. You should check it out. And uh, he's also the creator and star of a video series called Everyday Beast. Let's go. Yeah, you've heard of wine pairings, beer (laughs) pairings. This is food and workout pairings, which I think is a great idea. Uh, And these have been getting a lot of traction on our YouTube channel. And so we wanted to have him on to talk about the beast life. So, Rob, thanks for coming, man. Hey. Thank you for having me. That's right. And you're also <laughs> an editor, but you work here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He works you know, He happens yeah. to be probably the biggest guy in the bodybuilding.com gym right now. So if Let's you've go. been one, if you're what that sort of person who's like, you know what, I'm going to ask the biggest guy in the gym. He knows what's going on. That's yeah. what we're going to do today. Nice. That's dope. Like so, so, so tell us a little bit about Everyday Beast for somebody who hasn't seen it. Like what, what, what is the idea behind that and how did you come up with that idea? Um, so Everyday Beast is... It's a program. It's supposed to be a foundation, a platform for people to come from like just every walk of life and just say like, listen, this is what I do every day. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of if you embody what a beast is supposed to be, you know, it's like we're doing this. We're living life. We're crushing it every day in the gym and our families at home, at work. And it's like we're still able to hit these goals. So it's like uh, it's really fitness is the the topic, but it's really a, a platform to just say, hey. Mm-hmm. You can crush it, man. Whatever it is, so yeah. I, I and that's one thing. Like each one is a workout, but yeah. it's not. It's more than a workout. Like you could go get a good workout from it, but uh-huh. it's kind of like a celebration too. It's uh-huh. a celebration of fitness, of working out. It's celebration of food yeah. and kind of these rituals that yeah, yeah, yeah. build up around it. You uh-huh. know, it's not like uh, oh god, mm-hmm. I'm doing the work. This yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. No, this is this is what I love to do. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a call to action in some of these that I really ignore, or that I really like, and I'm I'm hoping Mark will cut some some audio in here. But there's this great line you have where it's like, if you're passionate about the work you put in at the gym, got to be passionate about the food you eat. Mm-hmm. Got to eat a good meal. That's what this ribeye is going to do for you. It's, it's, yeah. it's about creation. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. yeah what, totally. how, how do those things go together for you, man? Well, the first thing when I when I was thinking when you were just talking is like everyday beast is. It's an action, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, you know, people are like, oh, you're the everyday beast. Well, it's not, I'm not the everyday beast. It's a community, but it's more of an action. Every day you're beasting at something. Every day you're like hitting a new platform. You're hitting a new goal, you know? So it's like, at the end of the day, what's your foundation? If you have a fitness goal in particular, you got to eat. You know what I'm saying? If you're not eating, if you're not paying attention to what you put in your body, it doesn't matter what you're doing in the gym. So it's like just, obviously fitness, the workouts are a big part of that, but it's like breaking it back down to some of just the foundational concepts of like just eat right and set the goal and then everything else will kind of fall into place. And in, and enjoy it. Right? And, and enjoy it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like enjoy right. it. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to put the time in it takes to get to that goal. Is, is that is that a way that you approach your life though? Where it's like, you know what, this is a this is a great back workout that I'm going to do here. It actually deserves a great meal. I'm going to think Heck that yeah. way about the no. meal coming up as totally. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My thing is this. Like, if I know I'm going I'm to, like, have a good weekend, like a great weekend where I'm going to, like, kind of splurge a little bit, I better work my butt off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm-hmm. I better work my butt off Monday and Tuesday, too. But those last couple of days before that big meal, it's going to be work. Mm-hmm. It's going to be mm-hmm. some pain. And it's also going to be like, all right, you deserve this, you know? 
Yeah. Mm, and I like that. It's I mean, people talk about cheat meals a lot and they yeah. talk about this like it's like it's a bad thing. Like you got to earn it because it's going to be this, this splurge. But the way you're talking about it, it's like I, de- I deserve it. Yeah, I deserve That's- it. You know, yeah, totally. Heck yeah. I don't know if you've tried any of the Everyday Beast meals, but they are quite delicious. Nice. Even though, you know, they're keeping within the macros. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, that's one thing I noticed is that you make both the meals and the workouts very accessible. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not, you're not putting out this crazy 12 exercise long workout. You're putting out a workout that's maybe four exercises, but just a unique combination of exercises or a unique set and rep scheme. And then your food, I mean, you have this one that's a pizza stuffed chicken breast, which is fantastic. And correct me if I'm wrong, most of the recipes are kind of more in the keto... Keto-ish. Family of yeah, things, this or like we a low-carb. Yeah, this time we went more keto-ish, only because a lot of this stuff was stuff that I was eating as I was getting ready for a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and we also talked about in the article, like, hey, if you want to throw a side of rice on this, you can do that easily. Mm-hmm. by just, you know, like, right. calculate that. So it's like, the biggest thing is making it, like you said, accessible to some people don't have a big budget to go out there and like go to Whole Foods and shop for this and shop for that and shop for this. It's like, all right, what can I make that my family can enjoy as well? And that it also helped me reach my goals. And it's yeah. like, keep it simple. Yeah, that's and that's the refrain of a lot of bodybuilders good, you know? is, yeah. you know, I'm making a separate meal for myself. Well, meanwhile, my family gets to enjoy this. And it feels like the everyday beast meals are something that everybody can enjoy. Mm-hmm. Well, that, but I think it's interesting that you bring up other bodybuilders there too, because like it's clear that you have you have a deep relationship with food, mm-hmm. whereas you think of somebody who's you know somebody who's preparing for shows on a regular basis, they have a deeply complicated relationship with food a lot yeah. of the time. You know, uh-huh. you think about you think about bodybuilders and soft and like food is something to analyze. Sure, you eat a ton of it, but it's not something you love. Right. Right. How do you how do you as somebody who's you know you've been in a handful of shows? Mm-hmm. How do you find that balance? How do you keep how do you keep from getting burned out? For me, I have to be creative, you know, like I got to the point where I couldn't eat a chicken breast or let alone look at a chicken breast for like a couple months, you know, and I got to the point where I couldn't even like look at eggs in the store. I'm like, no, I don't want that. And it's like, why is this that you can't eat a certain type of food? Why Why don't you want eggs? Because you overdid it. You know what I'm saying? You overdid it because you didn't have the knowledge to switch something out or the knowledge to be a little bit more creative about it. So it's like, scratch that, be creative. Get the knowledge to understand how to calculate your macros. Get the, get the understanding, like search out like on bodybuilding.com, like how to create a meal plan so you don't you don't limit yourself. And that I think that's bringing it back to everyday beasts is like that's what's empowering about it because we're trying to empower people to make choices that fit into their lifestyle that's going to take them to another level. Sure. You know? Now, now there are a lot of people though who once they start putting numbers on things, once they start, um, you know, thinking in terms of macros, it's really hard for them to enjoy it too. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. How, how, how do you, how do you find the balance in that? And it seems like cooking skills is part of it. Yeah. I suppose. So, so where, where did you learn to cook? Just watching my family cook, like just, and I'm from the South, so it's like food, that's a big part of Southern culture, you know? So you can't really go to anybody's house without eating. So it's like, and if you have a goal and you, you want to eat, you know, you got to know how to like make that happen. And I know like a lot of times that ma- macros or, you know, micronutrients can be discouraging to people, but it's like, all right, if you want this, there's going to be some give and take. You're going to have to be like, all right, I'm going to be responsible and I'm going to want this enough to learn the macros so I can empower myself to make those creative choices. You know, if you got a goal and it's like, oh, macros discourage me, it's like, what's more important, your discouragement or that goal? How can we as a platform help people get over that hurdle and then 
empower them to make those creative choices, you know, sure. with their diet. Yeah, and take, and take ownership of that. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, you got to take ownership of it. So, so what, what, what pushed you to say, you know what, this is, this is really where I'm, I'm going to put a lot of my creative energy into my own food. I'm going to mm-hmm. get those skills. I don't want to say it came second nature, but it's just, it's a, it was just natural, man. I just watched my mom cook for me when I was a kid. And I just, in college, you find you, your first week of college, they're giving you like five pizza coupons mm-hmm. and this and that. And it's like, all right, two weeks later, nah, I want to eat. Like I ate when I was at home. Me and my buddies, we actually brought like hot plates and stuff in our dorm rooms and we would let the windows up and we'd be cooking like dinner at the band practice at night, trying to like shoot the smells out the um, old <laughs> residence hall like that. So it's like, this thing is like real, you know what I'm saying? Food has never left my... Uh, brain or like just my no i I totally i totally understand where you're coming from it was the same thing for me i went to college and i was like this sucks i grew up eating pretty well Uh (laughs) if i if i want to eat well for the rest of my life i got to take responsibility for it it's nobody is going to do this for me Uh you know and the way you present it you make it very easy to pick up the techniques you describe kind of what you're doing you know for those who haven't seen the the recipes and it, it's obvious that you love food, and you, we touched on it earlier. It, you know, part of the everyday beast thing is that your goals are the most important thing. So if you kind of set your goal, yeah, and then everything kind of comes works, works up yeah. towards yeah. that goal, and so your food fits your goal, not the other way around, and yeah, your workouts yeah, yeah. fit your goal. And I think that's the piece that a lot of people are missing because since I've been here and known you, you part of the reason why you're on the website is you're kind of always competition ready. You know, you don't go through those ups and downs. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you bulk, but you you maintain your leanness while you're bulking. Right. And there's not really that up and down that you see with a lot of bodybuilders. So mm-hmm. is that something that you've always had or is that something that you had to kind of figure out how to fit that into and create this kind of everyday lifestyle versus the up and down of the bodybuilding and the competing lifestyle? Um, a lot of people say it's luck. It may be genetics, but I think it's just consistency, just going at it every day and like just having that mindset of like, all right, you're going to have three burgers this weekend. What are you going to do on Monday to bring that back into balance? And it's like a, I don't want to say I'm like, oh man, I got this like that. But it's like, I don't want to say it's a struggle, but it is an awareness thing that's like, listen, this is what you want to do. This is how you want to look. This is how you want to perform, you know? You gotta be on it, and it's like, well, I don't. Some like, I don't want to take care of. It. I, I don't want to think about it all the time. It was like, what do you want? You know, that that's what, yeah. Like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, and then that's when everything else kind of falls into place. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I think there's something important there in there too, which is yeah, just the, that idea that consistency and repetition. Mm-hmm. They're really, they're really the answer. You know, yeah. um, Ross Edgley, who was on this uh, podcast, he's this guy swimming around Great Britain right now. He's about to finish it. Yeah. He had a great podcast or a great little video on on YouTube yesterday. Where he was saying like, hard work is almost always the answer. It's the question that doesn't really matter. Like yeah. people get so fixated on the question, mm-hmm. just doing stuff yeah, and yeah. just. The repetition of life and over time it answers the questions yeah, for you. No, totally. Totally, man. I say go read a book by somebody that's like 60 now that is and just read about where they were at 20. Mm-hmm. What is it? It's the consistent. It's the it's the it's the everyday beast that that person did in whatever field that was that gets the reason why you're reading that book right now, you know? So it's like, yeah, that's your motivation. I think that should be your motivation, you know, the process or that everyday work. 
Mm-hmm. And one, one thing that one thing that I, I feel like I hear in your attitude too is kind of is gratefulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and on, we did a profile of you on the site uh, a few months ago. It's like a, a fit employee profile, and you talk about gratefulness on there, sort of as you know, like you you think about hunger and hungry children. It seems like a lot. Like there's yeah, it's not just thinking about how lucky you are, but thinking about you know, yeah, yeah. just being grateful for what you have. So what, t- t- tell me about like know, what's what is your relationship with hunger like? Because it seems like it's something that informs. A lot just, of what you talk about. Yeah, I just think that I'm from the South, you know, and a lot of, obviously, all over the country is people who face food challenges and stuff like that, and like just a lack of education around different food issues and access to food and like food systems, stuff like that. And it's just like I've dealt with it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I see my, I see people in my family that deal with just the miseducation that comes with food and like, uh, Horrible food systems. You know what I'm saying? It's not that people don't have a choice or people don't want to do it. It's like if you're not educated and if you don't have access to the healthy foods, that's the problem, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not the person or the the kid. And it's like if you're feeding the kids something bad in school and they're eating that every day, that kid's not necessarily making that choice. There's that, That's the circumstance. That's, that the, kinda, that's the choice they think know? they have. Yeah. yeah so that kind of mm-hmm. gets me a little, like, upset when you, somebody's like, oh, that person's lazy. Right. Or this mom is lazy. Well, no. What is this mom making? What's the food systems that she's in? What does she have access to? You know, and it's like that type of stuff like makes me get a little like, no, I don't say anybody's lazy. They might not have the um, the know-how or knowledge to make those right choices. So just growing up in Georgia, growing up in Atlanta and like being from that environment, it's like you see that and then you go and you go to New York and then you live in Manhattan, you live in Brooklyn and it's like, Jesus Christ, there's mm-hmm. so many people hungry in this country, you know? And then you think about our country and then you think about around the world and it's like, it's kind of overwhelming. Um, there's so much, yeah. so much food out there, but so many people are still yeah. hungry. Yeah. And do, then, do you remember kind of when you felt like the curtain was pulled back and you just sort of saw this, maybe you had never seen it before? What really opened my eyes to it was like trying to get bigger. And then eating the excess, like a, a, a large amount of food, and then sometimes wasting that food. And then I'm complaining like, hey, man, I can't eat 4,000 calories. I only hit 3,000 calories. And then you sit back down and you're like, wait, wait a minute. I'm complaining because I can't get big enough. I can't eat enough food to get big enough when there's people struggling to eat. Mm-hmm. Like, shut up, bro. Eat the food and get in the gym. And then it's like what the charity thing is like, fine, if you're going to eat a lot of food and if you're going to like try to do this, Something better be coming back to the community. Like, it's fine. If I gain this 10 pounds, I want a pound. I want $2 or $5 for every pound I gain. Donate that back. And it's like, I, I just, I can't get behind the, it's, it's fine to have goals. It's fine to want to be bigger and to better yourself. But at the same time, you have to be aware of what's going on around you, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. That's, that's it for me. Mm. Now, you said that it it kind of upsets you to hear people say, oh, that person's just lazy. Yeah. Do you get a reaction when people say, oh, you're just genetically that way? Oh, like, yeah. Like, does that, because they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And it's like, fine, if it's genetics, it's genetics, but it's like, you don't see what I do every day. You know what I'm saying? You don't go to bed when I get, go to bed. You don't get up when I go, you know, get up in the morning. And it's like, that stuff, I just, I'm at a point in my life now where it's just like, all right, meet me in the gym. Let's talk. You know, I, like I, not to be cocky about it, but it's like if you're going to say something that, you know, open is like, come on, just meet me in the gym. Walk with me for a week and then we can talk. 
Yeah, because I feel you like know? both of them are equally dismissive. Yeah. And it's and a, lot <laughs> well, of, yeah. right. a lot of the top bodybuilders get that kind of, oh, well, you're just, yeah. you're a genetic specimen yeah. and that's why you are where you are. And it's like they're not understanding everything that happens behind yeah. the scenes. So mm -hmm. you seem to be very much, and that again, this pops up in, you know, your episodes that yeah. it's very much about educating, you know, it's, yeah. this is not one workout and you're done. This is mm -hmm. an everyday kind of thing. Well, yeah. one, one thing I like though about, about everyday beasts is the, uh, the, the comments on YouTube. Yeah. They're, they're funny because like, you know, whatever YouTube, YouTube's a shithole for comments. Yeah. Um, but the ones that are on these everyday beast episodes are things like, I wish Rob was my neighbor so I could hang out and train with him. <laughs> hey, you, you know what? The funny thing, the funny you said it cause like, um, I lived in Brooklyn for about two years, and we live in the we live in the higher like not a high rise, it's probably like eleven floors, nice building. But you pass these people that you see every day, and they're going to different walks of life. They're doing this, they're doing this. You're like, hey, hey, and then you just go to apartment two B, or you go to apartment. You see these people, and it's like, what if you had a bodybuilder next door, and he invited you in, and you just had a conversation? That's what that kind of like. That's the original thought process like that. I talked to my buddies maybe like four or five years ago in New York about that. I was like, what if we did this? The bodybuilder next door, you just come down, you sit down, you have a meal. And then you go back to your apartment, whether it's 6E, 7E, 7B, you know what I'm saying? It's just like you see these people. You just see them in the lobby. You just see them, you know, getting mail and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. but it's like, no, I think it's great. I think that'd be a really cool way to do this too, where it's like uh, you, the next logical extension of an Everyday Beast episode is you, you have somebody, you work out together. Mm -hmm. You sit down, you have dinner together, and you have a conversation, exactly. like a podcast, like yep. the whole the whole experience. I think mm -hmm. that'd be great. I can't, I'm, I'm, maybe somebody's doing that out there, but I think we need to make that happen. You need to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, because you're intuitively answering a lot of questions in those episodes, but then you can get even more mm -hmm. yeah, no, into that like, conversation. Yeah, no, down a little bit more into it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally so, so let's talk training a little bit, because um, one thing that I liked about the profile we did on about you on the site once upon a time was that you didn't just start out lifting, right? You... We're 175 pound, six foot two string bean yeah. in a group aerobics class. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? So, so tell, us, tell us a little bit about, about your history with training and, yeah. and, and when you got serious about that. Yeah, so I was always active. I ran track in high school, was in the marching band in high school. What did you do in the marching band? I was a saxophone player and also was a drum major. So no, oh, you're the drum major too? Mm -hmm. Damn. See, that's a prestige position right uh -huh, there. Yeah. I, did, I hated the drum major. <laughs> <laughs> I was in marching band. That guy was always telling me what to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I went to college. I was in the marching band. Didn't do drum major or that, but... I was all banned up. But then, uh, man, what happened? So I went to film school, did a little training in film school, came back home. I was sitting in Georgia. I was like, dang, man, I was waiting tables. Nothing wrong with that. I actually enjoyed it. Met a lot of people and just like, just all, food has always been mm -hmm. like, with I'm working for a catering company, working for waiting tables. Um, food has just been there. But then I was just like, dang, I need to like do something. I need to change my life. I got kind of got down a little rut and I wasn't doing anything in my a lady named Sandra Holt. She uh, had a fitness studio, Synergy Fitness, and she's like, "Rob, just come to one of the um, classes one day." I was like, "Oh, just, just kind of for fun." Yeah, yeah, just come check it out, you know. And it's like, if the the place I was in in my life at that point was like, you know, thinking twenty one, twenty two, not really knowing what the next next step was going to be. I went to school, I got this degree, I spent all this time, and I'm like, I'm not working in that field, and it was like. Uh, I think maybe like 10% of people who get a film degree might actually go on to actually right. build a career in hey, it. You know? I have an English degree. I know what you're you talking know? about. So it's like, yeah. I was like, I was down, man. I was kind of like, ah, had dreams of moving to New York. And that didn't seem like it would ever happen. 
Um, she invited me to the fitness class, and I was like, all right, we'll see. She invited me like two or three times before I actually went. And it's like a lot of, I want to say older ladies, but, you know, it's, it's, it's the— It's a group it's the, fitness it's class. It's a group fitness class, you know, in Noonan, Middle Georgia, day, you know maybe. what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, These classes are like the gateway drug of fitness. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, yeah. they, that's what yeah. gets you into the fitness yeah. industry. And so, yeah, we did the circuit training, and I went through circuits, lifting weights, doing this, using machines. Pounded music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just—my life started to change from that, man. It just kind of— I want to say it picked me up a little bit. I just started, you know, you start feeling better. You start looking better. You start just you're responding differently. And then you got to eat right to support that, you know, so a natural progression, you know. And then it's like it was um, that got me off my butt. And I, I just want to say it was, it was a it was a mental change. Not only a physical change, because it wasn't really a physical change at that point, right. but it was yeah, the more. Physical change takes a while. Yeah, it was a mental change. And I think within a year I had moved to New York. And I got a job at a publishing company, and I was, like, on my way. And then my step from there was to join. I mean, I moved to New York. I moved in. Actually, I moved to Jersey with one of my buddies from high school. And then I moved to New York, which is, like, a a month or two period. And uh, got my job at the publishing company. And I was like, wait, I don't know anybody, Mm -hmm. you know? So then I joined the rugby team because I wanted to do a group sport to meet people. And then joining rugby, I had to – get big so I wouldn't get killed. Yeah. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so you're talking 170. So you got to... Okay, so you're playing you're playing rugby in, in Jersey? New York. So. Okay, so that's a, that's a big yeah. population. Yeah. Like, there's yeah, yeah. going to be some big boys out there. Yeah, yeah. So playing rugby, I'm on the wing, which is uh, it's a back position. And so a smaller guy can survive out there, you know? But I want to be... I've always been fast track, so I want to be fast and big and be able to run through some people. So I have to eat. And that's kind of where... Fitness really kind of took off from there, like actually bodybuilding, shaping the body and trying to get a little bit more powerful and just, you know. Hmm. But when you, when you think about a rugby player, you know, and I don't want to offend the rugby players out there. I really, really don't want to offend the rugby players out there. You don't, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Nick's address is. Yeah, no, you, don't, you, don't, you don't think about somebody who's built like a bodybuilder, right? right. I mean, yeah. it, that's, it's, a, it's a block. A, yeah. bo- a, a rugby player, he is a thick guy, yeah, yeah. right? Totally. Um, do you... I don't know. Do you get do you get shit on the uh, on the pitch for that? <laughs> oh man. Well, then it's well let's see. I do get I get I get a lot of crap for it, mm-hmm. a lot of shit for it. And then I get uh, I get targeted for it. Like, you know, the next biggest guy wants to come get me mm-hmm. because I'm bigger. He wants to mm-hmm. prove himself. But then it's a bad situation for him because he ends up laying on the ground somewhere. And it's mm-hmm. like, all right, bro, you tried it. <laughs> put, that, <laughs> put that shoulder down. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people assume that, you know, if you're if you are a physique competitor, if you're a bodybuilder, you've got show muscles, but no go muscles. And yeah, so, exactly. and, uh-uh. uh, you know, yeah. in the very first episode, your workout was hill sprints. Mm-hmm. And that's a very functional workout that also lends itself well to aesthetics. And that's yeah, yeah. another thing that you notice in these training programs is that your workouts, you know, you're doing farmer carries, you're doing stuff yeah. that's not necessarily just a regular you know lift this up and put this down it has yeah, yeah. a purpose behind mm-hmm. it and so that's but there's still some bodybuilding yeah no yeah, yeah. yeah there's still some isolation <laughs> yeah. exercises in there but it seems like you train in a way that lends itself to your multiple interests yeah exactly right so there, multiple yeah. at what point did you kind of segue from rugby, rugby into maybe i should what? step on stage it was show i'm gonna really <laughs> yeah. try to be the all 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 men yeah so i think i had uh maybe 2015 I had, I was like, all right. For some reason, I had stopped playing rugby for a little bit. And I was like, all right, let's just get in the gym. And it just kind of worked out. I did an INBF show. I said, I'm going to do this show. It was a natural show in uh, 
I like lower Manhattan. I did that. I got like seventh place, seventh place out of eighth. It was a bummer, you know, but it was like, you did it. You know what I'm saying? You didn't win, but you did it. You know, it's your first show. And uh, I was completely, didn't know what the heck was going on, you know, starved myself, probably jacked my metabolism up a little bit, mm -hmm. ate chicken, boiled chicken, asparagus, and sweet potatoes for like weeks on weeks. And to do, and to do that in New York is like Oof. crazy. Yeah. Like uh, That's no fun. Yeah. You have to go yeah. to the grocery store and buy like sweet potatoes with five ninety nine a pound. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, but I'm not just, that's, a, that's a funny. But uh, did that show. And then I just kind of I kept in touch with my rugby, rugby guys. I would go out and just watch it. And then uh, eventually I just kept, I just got into it. And then I actually, after that show, I had a, since I had kind of starved myself a little bit, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and at that point, I was really like, I want to do fitness. One of my bosses was a competitor as well. And I left, I was working at a PR company. I left the PR company and started kind of producing some work for men's fitness and uh, did some stuff with Gillette with the health focus or whatnot. And then the opportunity to come work for bodybuilding.com came along and I was like, this is money. I get to do video editing, work for a fitness company and, you know, just a new experience or whatnot. So when I got here, I was like, all right, let's do it. The culture just kind of like grabbed me. I was like, fine, maybe I'll step on stage again. Mm -hmm. And I did another natural show here. Then I did uh, maybe the Idaho Cup right after that. And I was like, all right, cool, man. You did it. You know what I'm saying? You got Each nice one was maybe a little bit better experience. Yeah, and then you just keep getting better and better. And it's like you get tighter, you get tighter, you get tighter. And it's like, okay, I got to push myself. And it's funny because even today, it's like I get to that lean point where I think I'm there. And it's like, no, <laughs> go a little bit further. And you just get better and better each time. And that's just kind of progression. And then um, I became a WBF pro. Then I went back out and started playing rugby again. So I, I went back out with the larger frame. So I used to be at back, mm -hmm. but now I'm if I'm 170. I'm now playing rugby at 225, Oof. 220. That's a, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole new position. Now mm -hmm. I'm in the forward pack with guys my size, you know, or 300 pounds. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I'm not the big guy anymore. I'm actually one of the smaller guys that I'm going up against my opposite number. So it's just been, it's been a cool little ride. Hmm. I think it's, it's interesting to hear that, hear that you kind of went back to rugby though, too. Like mm -hmm. uh, we, we had this guy, Darren Willoughby on. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying body was right. not fun, but it's fun, mm -hmm. you know? Sure. I, I think, I think there's something to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we had a, a great researcher named Darren Willoughby on who's, he's been like a pro bodybuilder for 35 years. He started mm -hmm. his own um, division, but he's all, he's just, he's a diehard bodybuilder, but he was, he was also a semi-pro football player. Like, yeah into his 40s, into his yeah. 50s even. Mm -hmm. And there's just some, something about that playing out there that just calls to people. It's you know? real, man. And I, think, and I feel like there's a, there's a fitness angle to it too, though. You mm -hmm. know, I don't know. What, 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 what does it give you? I think for me personally, it's, I never started lifting weights to be a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It just, I had a, you know, I built a great physique and it, it, it worked. But I never, my main goal was never to just, be a bodybuilder. I wanted to be bigger. I wanted to be faster and I wanted to be more powerful. Um, so, and then when you step on the field and you're building camaraderie, you have friends, you're traveling. Like the team I play with now, we travel all over the Pacific Northwest. You know, we're the best team. We're undefeated, you know, and then the club is growing. It's like you're a part of something that's bigger than just your image. And it's like, you know, you can't beat that. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? Your body fades, but your friendships are going to last 
way longer than that. No, I think that's great. Yeah, and I rugby in particular makes me think of my uh, my, my two boys. I have a, t- a three year old and a six year old. They're mm-hmm. wrestling all the time, right? Yeah. And you watch kids; they fall so much and they hit each other so much just without thinking about. It. They're so physical. It makes me think like. Yeah, that's we're supposed to do that. We're yeah. supposed to be on the ground. I think that's part of what's missing in that's, fitness that's is what's just from body impact. And that's yeah. what, that's kind of what I think. Like uh, Doug Kalman, who is a, a researcher that we've done a bunch of stuff with here, who is the host of the of the Fitness Foundation series. He's a boxer. Yeah, he's a little guy. You know, he's very muscular, but he's middle aged guy. And he boxes. I think there's something to that impact that yeah. people still get value out of. It's, it's you're alive, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I still like when you're running at full speed, full stride, you 800 meters, or you get, you know, you break a line and you get, you're out there. It's no better feeling in the world than running full speed. And then it's no, and then you, you, you take that and you run full stride. You're like, you're like, you're actually full stride. You're like a fucking deer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's nothing better than that. You're pushing your body to its, you know, you, everything's connecting. You know what I'm saying? You, you're just pushing your body and it's like, you, you tap into that and you want that. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. a powerful feeling. Yeah. yeah. But the two sports do kind of complement each other because bodybuilding feels very restrained. You know, you're showing up and you are trying to get every muscle to look perfect for that one moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no movement. I mean, there's posing, but you're holding a pose. You're, yeah. you're static. And so to combine a very, very active, dynamic 3D, yeah, Yeah, there's tons of rotation. And and you get kind of the best of both worlds because bodybuilding is challenging in its own way. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. You know, and I know guys that will pass out from posing because it's so taxing physically on the body. And so you almost need that that other sport to kind of go to 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 release some of that energy. Heck yeah, man. I know like posing so hard, you walk off the stage and you're like, oh my gosh, these cramps are cramping up. (laughs) Yeah, just collapsing backstage. It's it's nuts. And people don't realize how physical it is. It looks like you're just standing there. And that's that's kind of the the illusion of bodybuilding is that Mm -hmm. it doesn't look nearly as physical as it is. To stand there and keep a smile, not a weird smile. That's work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to smile on the WBFF, yeah, right? <laughs> the WBFF, you have to smile, and you can't. Like, my, I remember, like, I walked off stage my first show, and she was like, "You know, you need to relax your face." I'm like, "Yeah." He's <laughs> like, "You like relax that?" Relax your face. You know, she's like, "You know, you, you got it." But one minute you're like, "Oh man, it's GQ smile," and the next minute it's like, "Oh, what?" The, you know. So it's like, yeah, it's you got to practice that, mm-hmm. just like anything else. It's a it's a consistency thing. So. Yeah, my favorite part of every show is when they do a pose down and like everybody kind of starts moving around a little bit more. Yeah, then yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Just, you feel that release of energy. And but then that's camaraderie too. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's in that action, yep. you actually chill a little bit and everybody's almost like, not saying like WBF is a little bit different than NPC, but for that moment that you're out there kind of like posing down, you're actually, you're, you're, you're feeding off each other because yeah. you're trying to yeah, there's a lot of energy outshine at that, that next person. So... Yeah, they should just do a pose now, bro. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I mean, that, that, that's the point when it's like we're saying, okay, we're not just competing, we're entertaining. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is this is really a performance. Yeah, you know? heck yeah. Um, I want to talk with you a little bit more about keto too, because this is not something you always did, but it's something that you've gone into a lot more recently. It sounds like so. What what made you sort of lean that direction? What's your, what's your experience been like? My buddy Jason Whitrock, man, mm-hmm. He's, he is one yeah. of the ultimate keto yeah. Yeah, guys. Man. Nah, you look at his physique and you're like, that's what I want. You know what I'm saying? And if I can have that and still play rugby, that's what I want, you know? Um, and then so he, he he I mean, that was like my inspiration to even try keto. Then once I actually got into it, I didn't have like a lot of the negative 
effects that a lot of people say you get up front. So I was mm. like, oh. You felt great from the start? I felt great. I felt good. I had probably one down day, and that was probably like a sodium thing, you know. Um, so, yeah, I th- and like the biggest thing too, like just to bring this back to everyday beasts, like I'm not a classically trained chef or anything, or but it's like I explore my food, I explore the options, and then I come back and like, all right, this works, this is good. Mm-hmm. So keto worked, and it worked amazing, yeah. you know. So it's like, why, you know, why wouldn't I uh, – Explore a little bit more. Have you, have you stuck with it? No, I've only used it for um, competitions, but I want to. My, I'm, I'm going to start a 12 week thing in a couple of weeks, and I, I want to use it to try to add some size. So it's going to be a new test. But and I, oh, interesting, yeah, because yeah. we get lots of questions on that. Is how do you bulk with keto. when you do keto? Because yeah. you know carbohydrates are the gold standard for growth. Yeah. Right. And for athletic performance, for a lot of like, you know, you'll, you'll find people say, oh, yeah, keto works well for a bodybuilder preparing for a show. But for somebody on the rugby pitch, they need some carbs. Yeah. yeah. You know, did you find that you suffered at all there? I, I never I, I, I didn't use it while I was playing an okay. sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting. The rugby coach just sent an article saying that some teams have been researching keto on the effect of rugby players. And they're kind of recommending it. I have to, like, shoot you all a link about that. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Just got saw the PDF yesterday, um, but yeah, I just I I like I can eat I can hit my goals easier doing keto, mm-hmm. um, but my macro goals wouldn't or like my uh, calorie goals. And I'm trying to think, I was about to say something. Did you uh, did you have any trouble coming back from it? Because that's what we hear more than anything. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh man, it's great coming, when you're doing it. Off ketosis, but then you come back after nine months on keto, and your body just doesn't know what's coming. Yeah, I think so. I was testing like I got ready for my show. I was about this last show I did. I was about I was ready about two weeks out, two three weeks out, and I brought carbs back in, and it was like, oh, so it wasn't. It, it was good to try it out and test it so I would know what I need to do three weeks later. But it's like I uh, I held like maybe 10, 12 pounds. Like I, I gained like mm-hmm. a massive amount and then I hit my body held order like oh, crazy. Sure. So did, like, how did you feel? I didn't feel bad, but mm-hmm. it if I had waited two weeks later to try that out, it would have been a no-no. It would have been a no-go, you know? Um because you, your your body just sucks that in and just yeah. holds on to everything. So right. I'm like, I'm 10 pounds heavier, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. especially when you're depleted from yeah, a prep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so. I, w- I was talking to one of our contributors who who was in the Miss Olympia back in the 90s, and she was saying she was um, she was around when creatine just first came out, creatine monohydrate, and um, a brand that she was sponsored by sent some to her and said, you got to try this. And she tried it the day before she got on stage. She was in the hotel room, and it was like she just went... <sighs> Yeah. Instantly, it, because just not not because there's something horrible about creatine. Yeah, it makes you hold some water, but she was just so depleted as it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. When your body's like that, it's going to be like whatever you put in it. it. Yeah. It's going to yeah. sponge. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, Rob, uh, we've got. I think we've got what three everyday beast videos out. Um, I think we have four out now. So, so we have right. three from the first season, and then we have four now. Mm-hmm. I know, almost um, five, probably yeah. five. Okay, by the time so by, by right about the time this comes out, I think yeah. we'll have the full slate out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell us, uh, if people who who want to find you, aside from that, like you can go to bodybuilding.com YouTube channel. Of course, it's a wonderful place to hang out. Mm-hmm. Where else can people find find out about you? Uh, check me out on Instagram at Rob K Smith too. It's not Everyday Beast at uh, Everyday Beast. No. Somebody probably already has we're, that, huh? We're all Everyday Beast, you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> um, I think the most important thing is remember that Everyday Beast is a call to action. Um, you know, you're everyday beast. You could be an everyday beast, you know. Um, 
But no, just check me out on Instagram at RobKSmith2 or the bodybuilding.com page has my uh, Rob Smith little clickable link or whatnot. You got a lot of calls right. to action, though. Like, let's grow. Let's grow. Let's grow. Let's grow is another, that's, that's one of my favorites. Every, that's the let's big grow. Well, that, but I guess, I guess, you know, I made it sound like we're ending the podcast. I wanted to ask you about oh. that, too, because everybody wants to grow, right? Like, yeah. but, I, I, I like that, that you, that you always say that. Let's grow. How do, how do people get growth dead wrong? You feel how like? do they get it wrong? Yeah. Yeah, because that's what... How, what, at, what do they do wrong? They look at somebody else's end game instead of setting the goal for their end game and then working backwards to see what steps it's going to take them to get to that point. You know what I'm saying? So if you look at, I think the biggest thing is if you look at somebody else's like end game, if this, maybe this person's an author, you know, they wrote a book, they wrote a novel. It's like, oh, I want to have a novel. And then they get discouraged because they get three pages in. It's like, nah, if it's a professional sports player, an author, a bodybuilder, what does that look like for you? And how are you going to get there? And let's start here. You know, it's, it's just taking people. What people get wrong about growth is like it's, it's a lack of patience. It's a lack of like understanding. And that's where knowledge comes back in. It's like you got to understand that it's going to take some time. You know, you can't just do it for two weeks, three weeks and then expect to be where you want to be. Just be honest with yourself. Tell the ego no. And like we're going to take a little bit longer to hit this goal. So that's, that's what people get wrong about growth. They just look at that final picture and don't really understand the process. And that's why education is so important. That's why just setting that foundation, that platform is the key. Thanks for the quote. No, that's perfect. <laughs> All right, Rob, Rob Smith, thanks for coming and talking yeah. with us, man. Great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you.